Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm Lane Nordland, and today we are continuing our conversations from the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show here in Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee. And it was a big day here as we wrap up the final day of this year's event. That's because NCBA solidified that U.S. cattle ranchers are committed to environmental, economic, and social sustainability with the release of U.S. cattle industry sustainability goals. We are joined by a great lineup of producers and advocates for the beef and cattle industries, and they are going to highlight what these sustainability goals are and what they look like. We all know that beef producers in the U.S. are already the global leader in sustainable beef production, and we are joined by the experts and the individuals that still make a go of it out on the countryside and understand the importance of talking about what we do but needing the research to back up what we are doing and advocating for our industry. Joining us here today is Mike Williams, Brantley Ivy, James Vaughn, and Dr. Jason Sawyer. And I'm going to start with Mr. Mike Williams. And Mike, you uh, call LA County, California home. Maybe just share more about your operation and uh, how you got to start in the beef cattle business. Well, I, uh, I'm technically would be considered a first generation cattle producer. Uh, my grandparents, had cattle and that's where I learned learned a little bit about it and 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 learned to love the land and the, and the occupation so later in life when I when I kind of decided I could do it I kind of we kind of did it and me and my wife Linda started a, we run a cow calf operation there in the mountains north and east of Los Angeles and uh, commercial commercial cow herd uh, that uh, we try to manage in there in the high desert country. A little further on in this conversation, we'll talk about what sustainability means to you and why it was important to bring your perspective and especially where you ranch at. I, I want to talk about that, but uh, let's move on over to, to Brantley Ivy joining us here today. He lives in Independence, Virginia. Let's talk about uh, the operation you manage and, uh, and what it's like over there in Virginia here this summer. Thanks for having us. Uh, uh, our operation has uh, changed over the past few years. Uh, originally, it started out as a commercial cow-calf operation. And then we, we kind of converted our, our property into a grass-finishing operation for a direct market beef program. Uh, we've done that for the past 14 years. And uh, a couple years ago, we started back to cow-calf to give us a better supply of, of GAP-certified calves. Um, we also have a, a fresh meat business, and we also have a value-added meat processing facility. Um, we've been there about 15 years. From Monroe County, Georgia, is Mr. James Vaughn. Uh, James, welcome to the podcast. Let's learn a little bit more about your operation down in Georgia. Yeah, we, um, we operate uh, about a 400-head uh, Angus cattle cow-calf operation in Monroe County, Georgia. Uh, we farm about 1,200 acres of, of uh, hybrid Bermuda grassland. Uh, a lot of it's devoted to hay, but uh, cattle are the main mainstay. We have a few pedigreed cattle, but most of them are commercial cattle that we sell into the into, as feeder calves. 
and uh, we've been doing that. My dad started it before I was born in the 1950s, and I've got two sons there now that are mm-hmm. that are. Uh, they let me help them some, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, James, thanks uh, for a quick uh, introduction to your operation. And finally, uh, Dr. Jason Sawyer joins us, uh, raised in Central Texas. Uh, let's talk about uh, your background in, in, the, in the livestock industry and your way through academia as well. Sure, Lane. I'm glad to be here today. This is always kind of an interesting opportunity. You know, I don't get to do things like this very much, so I feel pretty privileged about it. Um, kind of like Mike, I actually gained an appreciation and maybe a love for cattle ranching from my grandfather. Uh, my mother still lives on, on that place in central Texas outside of Brady. Um, but, you know, I decided when I was in school, I studied range science and ranch management at Texas A&M and thought about whether I, my real plan was to go home and accumulate debt and Somebody talked me into staying in school a little bit longer, and next thing you know, um, I've been in school for the last 20-something years. (laughs) Um, But, you know, along the way, it's been a real privilege for me to work with a large number of producers that have taught me a lot. Um, And I've had the opportunity to manage, you know, both for myself and for others, you know, diversified operations from cow-calf and seed stock operations through with some farming thrown in and, and some, you know, yearling operations and been involved with cattle feeding so I feel like I have a pretty good appreciation and exposure and have lost money and done some different things um, but re- my real job is is as a faculty member with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management and it's a real privilege for me because it does give me the opportunity to work on problems and think about things that are important to me personally but hopefully that also enable managers and operators to do a better job be economically viable and give them the opportunity to pass their operations on to the next generation, which is often the thing that motivates them the most. Well, again, gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. And as we look at these new sustainability goals, and, and maybe they're not new either, but maybe they're going to be new to a new audience as we look at these objectives, because the five of us know that beef producers in the U.S. truly are the global leader in sustainable beef production. And as we look at the group of all of you that were put together in 2021 to help put these goals on paper, create a uh, strategic plan at looking at the future of this, can we just maybe, who, who would like to jump in and share what those bullet points are of what these sustainability goals and the rollout is going to look like. Brantley? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with, uh, first I'd like to say there were uh, 17 of us on this task force from all over the country, uh, California to Virginia to Florida to Montana and every parts in between. Very diverse group of cattle producers. We were tasked with coming up goal, with goals that were bold and audacious. Our chairperson, uh, Marty Smith, said, said early on, that let, let's be bold, let's get out front of this. And, and like he said this morning with his closing remarks is NCBA is now on the offense. Uh, sustainability has been around forever. We've just tried to define it in the past decade or however long it is. Um, I think cattle producers are, are very good at talking to each other and educating themselves. Uh, I don't think we do a great job of letting the world know uh, what we're doing. 
So what I've learned through this process is, and it was NCBA did a great job. They spent the first month probably educating us on what sustainability is and what greenhouse gas emissions are. And quite frankly, I learned a lot from it. And, and what we learned from that is that we do need to get out there. Sustainability is an issue that's important to our consumers and we need to address it. There's parts of our industry that we could make a lot of improvement on. There's parts of our industry that we need to showcase. Um, our environmental goal that, that we came out of with the task force after months of working on this, we finally got to meet together in Denver a few weeks ago and we, uh, we solidified the goals of the task force. Uh, then then it, it went on to executive committee and, and the officer team, and of course it was, it was approved. But uh, of all the people, we, we approved, our sustainability task force approved these goals unanimously. There wasn't one dissenting vote on any word that we put out there, and I think that's important for us to say. Uh, I, I'll introduce the environmental goal and, the, and then pass it on, but the environmental goal is we would like to be able to demonstrate climate neutrality by the year 2040. And one thing about our group is of, of any word in that that we debated more than anything was the, de was the date. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us wanted it to be a shorter date, some of us wanted it to be a longer date, but we decided to stick with the science that we had in, in hand. And so that, that is based off of science, and uh, I'm sure Dr. Sawyer can expand on that. So when we look at the science of that in the year 2040, as Brantley pointed out, there could be a lot of folks listening right now saying, did they just pull that out of the air? Could you, could you explain the actual scientific aspect of looking at this date and the, all of the objectives put together here? Sure. And, you know, to, to point out also, I mean, my role in all of this is not, I'm not actually a member of the task force. Instead, as the task force developed goals and had ideas, part of my role was to try to support them and do analyses that would enable them to make better decisions um, and, and have those good discussions amongst themselves. And, and where the 2040 number comes from really is as we sat down and looked at the data that are available to us today from existing beef life cycle analyses and what we think we know about emissions um, about upstream inputs and burdens, especially related to environmental impact, we were able to make a projection about what we believe the trajectory would be and demonstrated that it is in fact feasible and achievable for this goal of climate neutrality to be achieved by 2040, if not a year or two ahead of that schedule. And so I, I would believe, and the others probably commented on it more since I wasn't really in the middle of that deliberation, I just demonstrated that it could be done. And then it was up to them to, to decide on what the target date really should be. So Dr. Sawyer, our folks listening, I, I, and I know I'm curious about it, when we hear the term climate neutrality, can you actually define that a little more maybe get ahead of what the myths that people may put out there about Facebook when they read about this event or, or what the NCBA task force is working on. Can, can you just paint a picture and describe what that term actually means and how it is beneficial to cattlemen and women? Absolutely. You know, the, as Brantley said just a moment ago, this whole space of sustainability has really been one of definition. And, you know, for me and my work over the last 10 years, um, really trying to get down to the granular level about what we mean by sustainability has been a real challenge. 
I think climate neutrality is actually a really good term and definition, maybe even more clear than sustainability, because when people are concerned about climate change, whether that's members of the public or policymakers, what they're really concerned about is changes associated with warming, right, with warming in the atmosphere. And so the term climate neutrality really means a system that doesn't advance, accelerate, or make material contribution to increases in warming from current levels. And so climate neutrality then in that context is a much more definable term, I think. You know, there's obviously a number of entities around the world today that are very interested in this space and a number of terms get used. Things like, um, you know, carbon neutral and zero emissions and, and all of those actually have different meanings and may have different relationships to what we really mean by climate neutrality. And so I, I feel pretty strongly that climate neutrality is a good descriptor because it directly associates to what the real concern is. Well, thanks for that explanation. It, it helps me as a broke cattle producer explain that, and, and, and I can share that more, and especially for our podcast listeners. Another aspect of this does include profitability. Who, who wants to touch on that aspect of it? James? Yeah. Um, you know, we set an economic goal uh, to create and enhance opportunities that result in a quantifiable increase in producer profitability and economic sustainability. Um, it, it's just fundamental that we've got to be profitable to stay on the ranch. I mean, we, we can't continue to lose money. Um, we're going to have good years and bad years because there are things outside of our control, a lot of things. But in this space that we're operating in now, there was a lot of discussion amongst the task force that there may be some opportunities in the future for some carbon markets and, and those types of things that uh, we hope that NCBA will focus on. Uh, you know, uh, one thing that is important that to the task force, and I think this goes for the environmental and, and the economic goals, is our ability to measure things. You know, for us to be able to compete in a carbon registry or market of some kind, we're going to have to be able to measure the carbon in the soil. I think that's also important in the sustainability conversation because we talk a lot about emissions and methane coming out of the cattle and emissions coming out of vehicles and all that. But as far as in the uh, our world of growing grass and hay and pasture, we're not measuring the amount of carbon that's in those acres. And that's a reduction. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you start doing accounting, you have negatives and positives. And right now, we're just measuring the negatives and we're not talking about positives. And I think that needs to be a big focus. And I think that's what a lot of the research needs to be done. For all we know, we're climate positive today mm -hmm. because we're not measuring the positives. Um, other agricultural industries that I'm involved in are already doing that, and it's more complicated, of how to, and, but we've got to get on that and, and figure out how to measure the positives, and that's, that will lead to economic sustainability, possibly in some direct payments and markets. And we talk about having that scientific data to be able to look at, and that also leads into your other point of enhancing trust in uh, cattle producers, and also with the folks that uh, enjoy our beef. Mike, are you going to touch on that point? Yeah. Like we 
we based these these goals based on the three pillars of, uh, of what they call the three pillars of sustainability: the environmental, which in this in this case uh, uh, the climate is a hot topic, and when you talk about environment and profitability is a given uh, for cattle producers. We all need to, you know, if we're not in business, we can't affect anything. But then the other part of it is the social. And, and in social, that, that encompasses a, a lot of different things. But the two, two things we concentrated on is, is animal welfare. The public is concerned largely about how the animals are treated. And, and they're not close to the production. They, they really don't know. And sometimes they can be uh, believe stories that, that may be a little unfounded. So part of our effort here is to enhance the trust in consumers. And others, retailers, whoever's worried about it, that, that we are caring for animals in, uh, in a good way. And, uh, and not only that, not only do we want to worry, you know, help them understand that we are, as an industry, doing a great job caring for animals, but there is room for improvement. We can get better. We can get better at the way we care for, care for these animals, the way we treat them, the way we handle them. And there, and there, I think there is room for improvement in this industry. So it's it's uh, it's an important uh, goal that we can set, and and we can do that through training and, and education in our workforce, and uh, and that leads to the second part of our social goal is safety of our of our workers. And uh, again, better ha- how you handle your cattle is probably one of the most common forms of injury mm-hmm. with our workers. Yep. And so what what the idea is that we're going to try to get these programs out there that that bqa b quality assurance has some excellent stockmanship yep. programs that that help people better read cattle and and some people that might seem pretty second nature but to other people maybe not so much and and i know there in my experience that a lot of people might think they know a lot about stockmanship but they got got room to learn yep. i think the best guys would tell you that they're just scratching the surface on how they can understand animals and how they can relate and, and handle animals. So. Well, I completely agree, especially in that part when we can improve ourselves to help improve our livestock and uh, have our health as well as a top priority with that is so important. And as we look at how we achieve these goals, that, that's going to be the big point people want to talk about is that timeline. Because, yeah, we can talk about these goals, we can put out a press release, but unless you have that timeline and follow up on these initiatives, well, that's, that's where we have to focus. Brantley, I see you're grabbing the microphone there. Uh, well, let's just talk about how, how do we accomplish these? Well, I think uh, something that, that I have learned through this process is that there's way more emotion than there is scientific base behind this. And uh, misinformation fuels uh, the emotion. And I don't think there's anybody who's more emotional about their industry than we are. And I think it's time for us to step forward. We've set our goals. Let's figure out how we're going to get the research that we need to demonstrate climate neutrality. And let's figure out how to get it funded. And I think NCBA made a huge step by setting these goals. And now it's now it's time for the work to happen and one thing I love about this industry is we don't wish it to happen we work for it to happen. So when we look at research partners funding mechanisms what are some of the uh, 
entities that we are looking at to, to partner with and to find research funding to, to push these forward? James? I think we're looking at all sources. I think we're looking at uh, in, in smaller short-term projects that NCBA may be able to fund itself. And we're also looking at collaborating with universities. I mean, we have Texas A&M sitting here at the table with us. Um, so we're, we're looking at, at universities with companies, um, any, any source. We've got to get the conversation started. And, and we've got to, as, as Marty said this morning, we've got to go on offense. But there are, there are people in the supply chain, companies in the supply chain, like we heard from this morning, that want to help and want to be a part of this conversation. And once you get the conversation started, you figure out how to raise the money and where to deploy it. And that's, that's where we're at right now. And Mike? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with, with James. They, they, these companies um, are being pushed really hard. By, by consumers and by investors to demonstrate to demonstrate their commitment to climate change and and a lot of that commitment will go to their their supply chain and and uh, and, and they'll look to us and so I, I think there's there's opportunities to collaborate there there's the US roundtable for sustainable beef where the cattle producers feeders uh, the packers and the retailers, the, the entire supply chain can, comes together and beats each other up and, and, and argues over some things, but at the same time, they're looking for solutions. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of opportunities to collaborate in, in areas like that. Yeah, Mike, I just I want to stick with you here for a second. And actually, all, all of you producers come from more highly populated counties probably than in the whole state of Montana, depending on where you live at, Georgia, Virginia. California, and Mike, you've had that opportunity to, to be face-to-face with consumers that are generations removed from agriculture and understanding it. And for you to be profitable and stay in business, you've had to engage with consumers and talk about what you've done for quite some time. Could you just share the examples of when you had that moment of saying, I, I have to talk to consumers? hear their concerns, share my story, and how this is tied into your role being involved in these goals as well. Sure. And and that's that's a good point. I am there and I do run into to people quite often that don't have a clue about how cattle are raised, about ranching. And uh, there's a, I, I'll never forget a time I have this little road that runs through my ranch and there's a, a couple, uh, oh, I'd say college age kids come riding through on on bicycles and they sh- I was closing the gate and they stopped to visit and my cows were there on the side of the hill and one looked at me and said you know I wish all cattle could be raised the way that yours are out here uh, on pasture and I says you know pretty much all cattle are raised the way my cattle are out here on pasture and uh, so they they just have a false image and and there's and living close to it, there's plenty of opportunities to engage with people and and dispel the myths. Uh, I, I had an opportunity to visit with a, a college uh, a class. A teacher had asked me to come in and talk about some some issues, and and she says, "Well, one of the students asked asked me a question: Is why are are how how about can we get all cattle to be?" 
treated humanely the way you treat your cattle and and I was able to say that or how come we see this stuff on the on these videos and stuff I said that's first thing you got to understand that's the exception they're not the rule the norm in ranching is to treat your cattle well people do this because they love it and uh, and 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 there's a lot of misconceptions a lot of propaganda out there and so you just got to take the opportunities to reach people where they're at and most people are really ready to accept it they they want to believe what what you're saying and and they frankly adjust pretty quickly once you explain the truth of it to them james i want to build on that just a little bit because i think mike's exactly right but there's an additional layer there are a few people that have a poor idea of uh, what we do as an industry and a lot of those few are very loud and they reach a lot of other people but there are lots and lots of people like we engage with groups and tours on our farm from time to time school kids chamber of commerce groups that kind of stuff most of the people haven't even thought about it that they have no idea of what we do they don't even think about it but once you tell them what all is involved in it. It's in a short presentation on the farm of, you know, that we track cattle with EID, we, we keep up with them on the computer, hand out computer printer. I mean, once you tell them all of that, it's like, wow, this is a real business. And, and this, is, uh, this is really going on. Um, the first time I had a group of eighth graders come, I asked the teacher, well, what do you, where do you want me to talk to them? At what space? And he said, and these were kids from Macon, Georgia, 150,000 population. He said, I want them to know farms really exist. I mean, and that's the level of communication that we, we need to get down to. And there's enough people out there that if we can seize the narrative with things like we're doing out here this week, then we can, we can drown out a lot of this negative stuff as, as it should be. Yep. And, Mike, I, I want to... Maybe come back to you. You uh, sit on the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, or, or you have? Is that correct? Yes, yes. I represent the California Cattlemen's Association in that. And I want to bring up the point that you said there's a lot of back and forth fighting and bickering on that because these are groups that don't necessarily agree on all these issues. And I know we have listeners tuning into this that maybe are a little wary about the, the roundtable itself just because they might, might not agree with some of those groups and their philosophies. But I, I just want to expand and maybe share some examples of, you know what, just because uh, you may not agree with them, you're there representing those cattle producers that are wary as well to share their point of view and, and come up with goals to keep beef on the menu. Yeah, that's and that's that's an excellent point. The, the people on the roundtable, the retailers and, and, and most they're all in the business of selling beef as well. And there are some NGOs that, uh, uh, you know, they, we, they're there to kind of help provide input from, from that sector to make it, to give it for the perspective that, that we need to because we know there's people that think that way. But the idea is, is to come up with, with uh, you know, communicate and come up with a system of, uh, of understanding that reaches across the supply chain. And it was really interesting to me. I actually started uh, in that organization because I was very skeptical myself. Mm -hmm. So I understand the people that hear about, they hear the word sustainable. That's, that's actually had a negative connotation in our industry because it was used as a club. 
to beat us over the head with for so long. And, uh, and so I was very skeptical when I started, uh, and, and that's why I started going to those, those meetings to keep an eye on what was going on there. And, and, but what, what you actually see is, um, it, through these conversations, is, is a, a better understanding. I think that's what happened is some of these companies, these retailers that are trying to sell beef, were able to gain a much better understanding of what's going on in the cow-calf mm-hmm. sector and, and in the feeder sector. And, and, and they got a better clue of what's involved and what we're actually doing. And, and I, I saw a lot of the representatives from those companies become a lot more comfortable with how beef is produced. And then some of us ranchers and, and feeders that were there, we, and, I, and I know for me, I can speak for myself, I gained a, a much greater appreciation of some of the challenges that they're dealing with in their end. The, the questions they're getting from consumers and, and the NGOs that, that are coming up with things. And then there's the investors that want answers to sustainability questions and, and things to address their concerns. So you, you get an appreciation of the pressure that they're under. And so this communication line gets opened up and a lot of issues can get resolved in just defining what sustainability means in, in the beef industry. Yep. So, Dr. Sawyer, when we look at possibly evaluating what producers are already doing to stay sustainable, the research and all the other universities or, or the non nonprofits out there that are doing this work, how can we share already what is going on out in the countryside and then how do we enhance that research-wise through our institutions to help in this effort? Well, you know, I think that part of the common theme of this conversation I, I might describe as as translation you know can we identify the things that we already know and actually translate those in, in a way that's meaningful and understandable to people with different perspectives um, that'd be a great example of ongoing research that that NCBA initiated and was supported by the beef checkoff doing some of the first life cycle analyses of beef production in the United States and the updates to those LCAs, those are foundational data sets that help us to really understand and communicate effectively. Of course, you know, from my perspective, I, I tend to look at projects and those that I've been fortunate to participate in and they really help us identify the number of things we have yet to learn and how we can more effectively measure and quantify and describe impacts or outcomes so that, that people do understand more effectively and that managers can manage. You can't manage things you can't measure. And defining the measurements becomes an important piece of that discovery. You know, just quick add-on, maybe this is a way to translate this mm-hmm. discussion of what research is about. You know, as an academic, often it's, uh, it's viewed as an ivory tower problem. <laughs> but I will say this, maybe a good translation of research and discovery is truth finding. And you know, I think that as we communicate about whether it's sustainability goals and what those things mean, that as long as people know that we're all seeking the truth and we want the best answers, then I think that people come to understand, accept, and appreciate that level of transparency. And for me, that's what research really is, is how do we gain that transparency and be able to communicate truth in a way that people can understand, appreciate, and employ. 
I like the, uh, your main point there is communicating truth. And, and one thing that all of us in the countryside and farming and ranching do not want to happen is government regulation that impacts our family operations and being able to pass it on and just being able to operate and make improvements to our operations. And I think this is so important of why these goals need to come from cattlemen and women. Well, you know, I would certainly agree with that and, and not trying to make any kind of a political statement or anything, but in reality, even for policymakers and regulators, they're charged with, with executing truth, right? But they can only operate on the best information that they have as well. And so ill-advised policies are often founded on bad information. So to the degree that we can develop and disseminate and understand how these systems really work, how we can more effectively measure and validate them and describe the outcomes and impacts, then the likelihood is that that, that truth will prevail, right? And, and we don't need to fear bad policy or bad regulation. Brantley? I wanted to uh, just take a moment to say that it, it, I, for one, am excited that NCBA put this, put this task force together. And I think that uh, the fact that it was a unanimous vote from all of us, that we see the importance of it. I think for far too long, uh, this industry has been misrepresented and by setting these goals and coming forward it's forcing us to address it good and bad but uh, one thing I, I do know and believe that if you're not at the table you're on the menu and, and, and I'm so glad that we're at the table to address this. It's important to the country, it's important to our industry and it's, it's time for us to address it. Now Brantley, your daughter is joining you here today. Yeah. And when we talk about sustainability in the family businesses that we all run, how important is it for you to be a part of this now in creating these goals so there's a future like young ladies like her and other young producers in the future? Right. I, I bet you could walk through that trade show and ask anybody what is the most important thing about their operation. My guess is every one of them would say leaving it to the next generation. That's just something that this industry takes so much pride in is being able to pass their operation on to the next next generation. You can't do that without sustainability. Uh, even though that's a new word, new definition, it's something that we've been living in this industry for generations because we're still in the business. And so however it is defined externally, I'm glad that we're defining it on our terms internally and, and, and taking the position that if it's that important, we're going to address it and we're going to show you what we do for a living. Well, gentlemen, there's definitely still going to be some challenges with this. What, what are going to be the biggest challenges, in your opinion, in, in the rollout of this, in the participation in this, trying to get funding? What, what, what do you believe are going to be the challenges that the folks listening to this are going, going to need to help out with? I think one of the main challenges is going to be staying ahead and staying out front in the conversation. And I think that's what Marty Smith meant this morning when he said NCBA is going on offense. Uh, we we, we got to keep walking forward and, and pressing this message, and we can't, we can't stop and we can't let anybody push us back. Mike? Yeah, I think one challenge that, that we got to deal with is, is a similar challenge that, that I had to overcome personally is, is understanding that sustainability is not a bad thing. It's, it's, uh, it's what we do 
and and that while ranching has has kind of shied away from this concept, the fact of it is is the way that it's the way that it's defined or the issues that revolve around sustainability are all a net positive for ranching in general. If you want to talk about the climate, the, some of the best things that ranchers are going to do to improve the the, the climate is to grow better pastures, better managed grazing. So how does that hurt the rancher if he got better forage for his cows? Efficiency, better production efficiency, working on those metrics. These are all positive things for, for ranchers in general. Sustainability, that's our, that, that's our badge. And the better the ranch is run, the more sustainable that ranch is. And who doesn't want to run a better ranch? Now we're all in different places, and we all start from different places. And and what somebody's focusing on, at it might be at a at a higher level or a more advanced stage than than a person that's just putting his first grazing management plan together. But we can all look. For, we all know the areas of our ranch that need to be improved at at at, at some level, and we just got to start working on that. And as an industry. And that will change the sustainability of the industry in general. And truly, producers do deserve the recognition of their hard work that they've put into their operations. Because, again, sustainability is the it word now. But we've been doing a lot of practices to help improve and keep these operations going for the next generation for decades. And uh, looking ahead, we still have work to do. But I, I, I I don't want to, you know, go past the fact that we are still doing good work. We have done good work, and we will continue to do good work. I just, I'm excited about the future of the industry because individuals have stepped up saying we have to get ahead of this and tell our story. And, uh, I, but it's going to take a lot of partners to do that because, Mike, I don't think you're going to want to be on Twitter, you know, sharing this every single day out there. I don't think I'd ever be on Twitter sharing <laughs> anything out there. But maybe, again, I, I know we're not the marketing team here, but how important is it going to be for us to stay on the offensive and use this research and get the word out there? How, how are we going to be able to have to get out of our own little click here in the cattle business and not just be sharing it on our Facebook pages or our TikToks or whatever? Let, let's maybe talk about how we get the word out there and stay on the, the offensive. Well, it's, it's incredibly important to the NCBA. One of the biggest recognition awards that they give every year is the Environmental Stewardship Award. Uh, and we show it off to ourselves every year here at the convention, and we're, we look to those ranchers and say, wow, that, that's great. That's something I ought to aspire to do. We need John Q. Public to be able to see that that is important to our industry. Unfortunately, sustainability has been used as a club on our industry when, in fact, we're leading the world in this industry of how to do it. James? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that um, just the message of getting it out there is fundamental. But there are also real-world things that need to happen that we need to push for policy-wise. Like we're talking about uh, carbon sequestration and carbon markets is one of the things we debated a lot about on the task force. If those markets come to fruition and my focus is on economic sustainability that's something else that that uh, we can generate income from we're already doing that with our timberland and this can be done with ranch land too with the proper research so there you know if people are if people are suspicious of something but they figure out they can get paid for doing it um, 
that kind of helps a lot. So, you know, I think that's, that's one thing we can do. <clears throat> Very true. Doc, is there anything you want to share about that or add on to? Well, you know, the, the idea of, of how we move forward, you know, I think that the way that, that the goals have been framed by this task force is, is actually a really important piece because it does take something that's really complex and make it definable. And something that is important to me as, as a researcher, really, is that we, we don't aim at a single solution and, and lose sight of the many other opportunities to achieve the goal that might exist, that we might discover, that we might develop. And I think that the way that these goals have been framed does provide the opportunity for innovation and you know, not just describing what we've already done, but the opportunity to find many pathways to achieve each of the economic, environmental, and social responsibility goals that have been established. Well, gentlemen, I know we have a busy morning here, and I don't want to hold you up too much longer, but this is such an important conversation. These are important goals, and I commend you for taking the time away from your, your, your families and uh, spending time helping develop these. And, and it's not easy to just sit down and come up with goals and have people agree on them. Um, I'll just uh, give you all the floor to maybe just share your last comments or anything else you would like to bring up here today and, and how folks can learn more about these sustainability goals and how we will achieve them. Mike? My main point, and I've kind of made it, but I'll just reiterate it, is that sustainability is nothing that, that we have to be afraid of as cattle producers. We, own, we actually own this concept. We've been doing it for, since, ranch, since they first brought cattle to America. And we're ranching, you know, our, we're ranching better now than they did in the 19... 70s and and in the 1970s they'd learned things and are ranching better than they did in the 50s in the 30s and in 20 years from now we'll be ranching better in 20 years and that's the very definition of what sustainability means Franklin yeah I, I guess my last comment is is similar to to Mike and, and, and to go back to let's let's get out there and be proud of our industry instead of hiding from it let's address it Let's get out there. I think NCBA, by putting this task force together, forced us to put it in the forefront, and I think that's where we need to be as an industry. James? Yeah, I think that um, one of the main things that we need to, takeaways that we need to have from this task force is not all of it, because just like the guys just said, there's room for improvement and there's continuous improvement on the ranch. But a lot, a big portion of this sustainability conversation is nothing but bragging about what we're doing already. Yep. And we need to be better about that all the way around. Yep. Dr. Sawyer? Well, you know, I don't know that I can overtop anything that, <laughs> that the other gentlemen have said other than, you know, for me, I view this from my perspective as the opportunity for continued innovation in ranching. And, and as Mike pointed out a moment ago, you know, this really is an industry that, that has as, at its core innovation and development of practices with adherence to tradition. It's a, it's a really interesting balance and something that I'm excited to be a part of and, and continue to try to serve in the role that I'm in um, to help everyone move forward and achieve those things. Well, like James says, we need to continue to brag about ourselves, but also be humble enough to continue to 
research and look at these new venues, opportunities, education, and reaching across the aisle to see about some other perspectives that people have about us in the countryside because that are the ways that we're going to become sustainable. We're going to be able to find the funding to research this and, of course, keep everybody in line to make sure that we're following these goals. And, and again, for friends that are interested in learning more about this task force, who has made a partner of it, who helped give insight to it, and the goals themselves, visit ncba.org slash sustainability. Uh, again, gentlemen, thank you all so much for joining us here today at the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention in Nashville, and thank you for all your hard work, and, and uh, let's have a good fall. Thank you. Thanks, Lane. Well, friends, that will do it for our Cattleman's Call podcast from the Cattleman's Connection booth, sponsored by Micro Technologies at the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. I'm Lane Nordland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Nordland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.